0: Uh this morning, um David is gonna be here just for a little bit, um, and Ans is gonna be here afterwards as well, uh, making more balloon animals. Um there's something about balloon animals, you guys. Am I right? Nothing says birthday like balloon artists. Uh couple things. My brain's a little bit scatterbrained, but we got new shirts. Yeah. This is my size. Uh <laughs> Just kidding. We've got these in green. We've got these in blue, um, and we're doing like a suggested $10 donation. So if you guys want to get a shirt, I would love for you guys to get one. Does anybody wear it extra small? Dream on, Ricky. Do you? There you go. You can have a free one. That's what you get for sitting in the front row, guys. All right. uh, So we're going to take a hard turn. We're going to jump into the message uh, this morning. I would love to pray for us as we uh, jump in there. So if you guys will bow your heads, and let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you that we get to celebrate um, your goodness. We get to celebrate who you are, your faithfulness, like Edwin talked about earlier. Um, The fact that we have been here for a year uh, is such a gift. Uh, It's a gift to me and my wife and my family. Um, It's a gift to the people that have called this church home over the last 12 months. Uh, God, as we've been able to serve the community and and meet practical needs uh, and meet spiritual needs in the community, God, I believe that this church has been a gift um, to uh, the Newport Costa Mesa area. And so we're grateful. We just want to take a moment and just say thank you uh, and celebrate um, what we get to be a part of. Um, God, thank you um, that you have allowed us to be a part of this with you. Um, This isn't any of ours. This is your church, and we're excited to be able to be a part of it. Uh, We're grateful. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So today I want to talk about the kind of church that we wanted to be when we started 12 months ago. Uh, I want to talk about the kind of church that we have been and and hopefully the church that we will continue to be um, and actually at the end of this morning, uh, I want to give an opportunity uh, if anybody here hasn 't um, had the chance, has never taken that step of giving their life to Jesus. I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to do that this morning um, we 're going to be talking about a story in the book of John i 'm excited to look at, um, but uh, as we look uh, kind of back at the last year, I, I wrote some note notes down. Um, that I thought were just kind of crazy over the last 12 weeks, 52 Sundays, 12 months has it been, 12 weeks, something like that. Uh, Anybody know how many donut holes we've eaten here? I know we ran out before service started this morning, so uh, we'll have to double it. Anybody want to guess how many donut holes? (laughs) Not for you, Rick. Uh, uh, We've eaten over 8,000 donut holes. Yeah, we are a healthy church. David, do you still want our blood? Uh, 75 pounds of coffee that we have, uh, we have prepared here. That's a lot of, co- and it's good coffee, you guys. Yes. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, talked about, um, patio parties that we've had, these things like we have today, reasons and opportunities for us to hang out afterwards. Uh, we've had ice cream trucks. We've had water days. We've had, uh, guacamole contest, which I won. Uh, we had, uh, we've had all kinds of fun stuff, uh, happen here, um, We've launched um, growth groups, home Bible studies in the last 12 months. We've had families dedicate their children here on this stage um, and commit to raising, uh, creating a home that honors Jesus and centers around Jesus' values. Uh, People have accepted Jesus here and have their lives changed in that way. Um, We've had barbecues and movie nights. Um, We've done a lot of really fun stuff. I've told you guys thousands of stories about my crazy kids. Uh, I talk about food all the time. Um, and there's just this aspect of who we are as a church that I love being able to be a part of. Um, there's another aspect of who we are as a church, this, this generosity aspect that I just want to make sure that you guys know what we've been able to accomplish. Every week we talk about tithes and we talk about this thing called Beyond Our Walls. And, and that's a way for people to give above and beyond their tithes. And all of the money that they give to Beyond Our Walls goes towards planting new churches. And we helped plant a church in Riverside in October. We were six months old and we helped, or how many months is that? Ten, eight. Eight? We were young, and we planted another church for another community, um, and we're going to have that opportunity again in a few months in, in uh, the L.A. area. Um, we, uh, we've been able to help plant churches. We've been able to help in Puerto Rico. We've sent a team to Puerto Rico. We've sent uh, power generators and pallets of water and other necessities. Uh, because of your generosity, giving above and beyond tithes, we've been able to host Christmas parties for underperforming school um, We were able to uh, do Teacher Appreciation Sunday for the staff here at Ensign. Um, We've been able to, at Christmas time, there was 25 high-risk junior high students that we were able to give. uh, They didn't have the clothes and the basic necessities that they needed, and we were able to give them that stuff for Christmas. And it wasn't me writing a check. It was actually you guys going out and shopping for them. Uh, And so what I love about the last 12 months is that it's not just been a lot of fun and good coffee and a whole lot of donut holes. It's actually been, something that has not only impacted us inside this room, but this has been something that's actually started to make ripples and waves outside of this room. And so I want to take a moment and say thank you. And I want to celebrate you guys. So can we just give ourselves, I want to give you guys a round of applause. I'm so grateful for everything that you guys have done. Um, I talk about food a lot. I also talk about music a lot. Music has been a big part of who I am my whole life. I've always loved music. Started playing drums when I was like 11 years old, which is just a gift to every family to have a drummer. Um, and uh, and every neighborhood wants a drummer. Uh, and so there's a, a thing for me that music is essentially, it's always on. I always have music on. Uh, whatever I'm doing, there's a playlist for it. Uh, and, um, and so... Uh, I've been to a lot of concerts. I've I've had these experiences where I want to see these bands live. There's a band that's not a very popular band. It's a band called The Lone Bellow. It's one of my favorite bands. They have like the most incredible harmonies, and it's just kind of like this southern rock, but not like Leonard Skinner type. It's just it's good. Uh, uh, less guitar solos than Leonard Skinner, But anyway, so I've seen them play, and it's crazy because you go and you see this concert, and I don't know if you guys have ever been at a concert where the band, essentially, they walk like off the stage with their acoustic guitars, and then they would stand in the middle of this venue, and they would sing these songs, totally acoustic, surrounded by hundreds and hundreds of people, and you're just, it's, it's amazing. It just has this like, incredible feel and this vibe, and, and you're looking around at all these people, and you're like, I'm a part of something here. This feels so good. Um, I love hip hop Uh, It's a well known fact Well documented about me The best uh, hip hop group of all time Is OutKast Fight me if you disagree Uh, And I got to see them on their reunion tour And it was just one of the most spiritual moments of my life Uh, We were up at a music festival And we got to hang out And it was nuts It was so crazy seeing thousands and thousands and thousands of people uh, singing these songs and these songs that we kind of grew up with and we have all these memories tied to and people that don't know each other, like dancing. And, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Uh, it was an incredible thing. And another one of my favorite bands is Foo Fighters. Uh, I've always loved the Foo Fighters. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Foo Fighters, but Dave Grohl is now 49 years old. Uh, and that guy rocks harder than any person I've ever known in my life. Uh, I've seen them three or four times, and the guy just never stops running and screaming and playing the guitar and I don't, I can't make it like up a flight of stairs. And I, I'm just, I don't get it. But each of these experiences I was able to be a part of, each of these things that I would go to, they were consuming and I would experience like so much joy and happiness and these vibes that were happening in the room. And, and you would look around, you'd make eye contact with other people when your favorite song comes on. They're like, yeah, I get it. You know, and you have this moment uh, of camaraderie. Um, But the crazy thing about these is as much as these moments were incredible, I would leave and I still sound like a nerdy white kid when I try and rap. It doesn't matter how well I know the lyrics, I don't sound good when I rap. I will admit that. I know you've all thought that. Uh, It doesn't matter how much I love rock music, I can't do what Dave Grohl does with the Foo Fighters. It doesn't matter how hard I try and sing, I can't sing a harmony to save my life. And so there's these moments where... I'm totally encapsulated and and I'm in this place and I've got like these amazing like goosebumps and I'm, I'm feeling like all of this goodness that's happening and I leave and the moment is over and as much as I love it and I like to think about it, I actually am no different than I was before I went. I loved every moment of it. I, I felt feelings. I, I wept a little bit uh, when Outcast came on stage. I'm not going to lie. And so there's, this, there's like all of this stuff. And then I left and I was, I was the same me. And I loved those songs more, but it didn't actually change anything about who I am. But I still continue to look for these experiences because that feeling was incredible. And I think a lot of times the same thing can happen at church, Um, this same trap we can fall into at church. And I love the stories that I hear from people that come to our church. And and we hear all the time from guests. And and I want to honor you guys that come every week and you volunteer and you serve and you you create this experience for people and they come and they say, man, it just felt so honest and authentic and people were friendly but not like creepy friendly, like shake your hand for too long friendly. It was like the right length of a handshake and uh, and so there's this thing that people experience when they come to South Hills and I love that. I love that people experience this 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 vibe, this, this feeling, this thing that something is different here. These are all great things. But throughout my life, and I'm sure still in people's lives, they, they come and they feel these things at church, and then they leave that experience where they felt the tingles during the worship or the pastor told a story that made them, like, tear up a little bit or whatever it was, and then they leave and they, they feel the same. They actually weren't any different There was something about this place that's awesome, and we can talk about it and celebrate the donuts and all all the good stuff, but then oftentimes people leave, and they find themselves stuck in the same habits. They find themselves stuck in the same kind of struggles that they have, the same mentality, and they haven't actually changed. It was just this great feeling. Don't get me wrong. Great feelings aren't bad. We actually work really hard to make this place feel great this junior high cafeteria. Uh, we Before we launched, we had this meeting with our, our launch team. We had a whiteboard, and we're like, what do we want people to feel when they come to South Hills? And everybody was like thinking about it. And, and somebody was like, well, I we want them to know that Jesus loves them. It's like, yeah, every, yeah. And then, you know, like good music. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was kind of quiet, and one of my friends was like, just good vibes, and I was like, yeah, we want them to feel good vibes, you know? So it's like, and we've worked really hard so that people feel good vibes because that's great. We all want that. Like who doesn't want to enjoy being here? It's an hour on Sunday out of your day. You could be having brunch somewhere. Uh, so let's have a great time. But while great feelings aren't bad, if our faith is nothing more than a great feeling, then it's only a matter of time until that feeling and our faith fails us. It's only a matter of time because feelings, you guys know, they come and go. And there's been Sundays where the power hasn't worked here. And there's been Sundays where the coffee wasn't ready. And it was a, it was a scene, you guys. And these great feelings, it's like, man, yeah, we'll fight for that. We want that. We want to create this environment. We want to create a church that people love coming to. But great feelings on their own aren't going to change anybody's life. Just like I can't get up on stage with Outcast and hold my own now. I experienced it. I loved it. I want it. But it didn't actually change me. Although if they asked, I would still try. But there's a story that takes place in Jesus' time. as a place right inside the walls of Jerusalem called the Pool of Bethesda. And this pool kind of has this local legend tied to it, this mythology, this story about how the, the miracles that could happen at this place. Every so often, this pool of water would tremble. It would kind of bubble up out of nowhere. And the Jewish people in that time, when the Jewish people were there, they actually chose to believe that it was an angel that would come down and this angel would stir the waters of the pool. But the Greek and the Roman people, they believed that it was the the Greek god Asclepion and, and it was like a healing water type of situation. And so there was this holy place. There was this water that every once in a while, the water would start to shake or tremble all on its own. And what they believed in that time is that whenever the water trembled, it was, whether you believed that it was an angel, whether you believed that it was this Greek God, the first person that would get in this pool of water after it started to bubble up would be healed. This is what they believed at this time. The first person that would be able to make it in after the water trembles. Usually, when you're in a pool of water and it starts to bubble, you're like, want to be the first person out. It was like the opposite of that situation. Um, You can imagine the crowd that would be drawn to a place like this. People in need, drawn to this religious experience. You can imagine the excitement that would have happened when the water started to tremble. There's this sense that people would be waiting and watching the water for it to do its thing because they knew that the first one in after that was supposed to be able to be healed. The feeling that a person would have as they rushed towards the pool, maybe they could be the first ones in this time. You can imagine the air and the environment was electric of these people trying to experience healing, to get in, but only a few were able to make it in time to be the first ones. The hope of getting in paired with the disappointment of being second or 10th or 50th and then just having to sit back down and be like, I guess I'll wait for next time. There was this experience that they all had. This this place, actually, the, the name has a dual meaning It's the pool of Bethesda. In Hebrew, it could be translated as a house of mercy, but it also could mean house of shame, which is kind of like, that's a real different, that's like a very different thing. You know, it's like, okay, you're going to translate it one of two ways, either mercy or shame. You know, it's like, uh, but there's a lot of scholars that talk about how it was an intentional decision because everybody went to this place hoping for a house of mercy where they could be healed. And almost everybody actually just got a house of shame where they didn't make it in time. They were around it, they saw it, they felt it for other people, but they weren't able to get in the pool in time. And so scholars say that there was this intentionality with this name, the house of mercy or a house of shame. It was a place where they ended up to be stuck with other sick and needy people waiting for a glimpse of mercy. So we pick up the story in John 5. It says in verse one, "'Afterwards Jesus returned to Jerusalem "'for one of the Jewish holy days. "'Inside the city near the sheep gate "'was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. "'Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, "'lay on the porches. "'One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years.'" when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Which is one of those like Jesus questions where it's like, yeah, obviously, you know, like, yes, I want to get well. I've been here, I'm sick, you can you know. But Jesus goes up to this man who he can tell has been ill for years and years. And he says, would you like to get well? Verse seven, the man replies and he says, I can't. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. There's this sense that he's there. He's surrounded by people. The passage says that there's crowds of people that essentially live there waiting for their term. He's surrounded by people. And Jesus says, would you like to get well? He's like, I can't. I can't do it myself. And there's nobody that's going to put me in that water. There's nobody that can carry me in. Somebody else always gets in there first, before me. And Jesus tells him in the very next verse, he says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. then it says, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured. Remember, this, is, this guy's been sick for 38 years. He's unable to walk. He's been lying there all day waiting for the waters to bubble up. He sleeps there all night waiting for the next opportunity. All of a sudden, this man, after 38 years, gets up and walks by. And the Jewish leaders say to him, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. And this is a guy that just literally had his entire life changed. He was healed. He was not able to walk for 38 years. And now all of a sudden he's able to start walking and he walks by some religious people and they're like, uh, yeah, you can't carry your mat. It's the Sabbath, which was a interpretation. There was one way of interpreting this Old Testament law. It was their understanding because they wanted to be super careful to not break any rules. And so they had this understanding that you can't carry a mat on the Sabbath. They don't even, it doesn't phase them that this man is walking, that this man is carrying his mat. Like that is, that should blow their mind. That should be the thing that is like amazing that stops them, that they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this happened. It says in verse 11, it says, he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Essentially saying, yeah, uh, the guy that made me able to walk said to pick up my mat, so I'm going to go with him. I've tried this for years. It's not worked real well, so I'm going to go with the guy that made me walk. Blown away that they would challenge him on this. This place has done nothing for him. He's seen it. He's felt it. He's been around it. He's, he's experienced the tingles on his arms. He's seen the water bubble. He's seen people rush in, all this different stuff, and it's never done anything. He's not any different because of it. He's tried to get in. He's been around others. He's felt the longing. It's gotten him nowhere. I think that a lot of us may have grown up in churches that were very concerned with these types of rules. They were very concerned with this type of uh, yeah, you can't wear that. That's not an okay thing to wear to church. You can wear it any other time. But once you walk inside this cafeteria (laughs) we've grown up in churches that have had this pressure of like man, you can't talk that way or you can't ask those questions. You can't express those kinds of fears. Not on church not at church. You can't be frustrated with God on a Sunday. Tomorrow, go for it. But we've all had those experiences, or I have at least, where you end up in this religious place, this place where you know that there's something possible and you can feel that there's something going on and, and you want to get connected and you want to fit in and you want to you have more of what it is that you're feeling and what it is that you're experiencing. And then somebody's like, uh, yeah, you can't carry your mat today. And all of a sudden you're like, is this about mats? Is that what this is about? Is this about the clothes that I'm supposed to wear or not supposed to wear? Is this about the the frustrations and how I articulate those frustrations? Is this about the issues that I have and I'm not allowed to come into this place with my issues? Is this place, is God not capable of handling all of my issues? We've had these experiences where we felt like we did something wrong and all we were trying to do was understand Jesus. All we were trying to do was experience Jesus This power that we've heard about, that we've waited for, this thing that we've hoped for and longed for. In verse 14, I'm skipping a couple verses, verse 14, uh, well, the religious people obviously were angry and they tried to find Jesus and plot against him. Um, In verse 14, it says, but afterward, Jesus found him, meaning the guy that he healed. He found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Sounds like a threat, like a little bit of a threat. There's this sense of like, what's worse than being paralyzed for 38 years? What's worse than seeing everybody else get what you've wanted? What's worse than being around it, but never actually feeling it, never getting it for yourself? What could be worse? And I think that there's this sense that Jesus knows, and I think that what I've experienced in my own life is that getting what you want doesn't produce contentment, and it won't bring happiness. Like the things that we want, the things that we crave, that we're searching for, that, that's not going to be enough for us. Do you know what's worse than my son begging for a toy at Target for like 45 minutes? Is me buying him that toy and then an hour later him begging for something else for 45 minutes. Because that toy on its own isn't enough. And obviously this man was healed. He was not able to walk and he was healed. And so that's a massive thing. But even being physically healed, Jesus knew this isn't enough. Like this isn't going to change your life. It'll change some things. But you are going to not, you're not going to have contentment just because you can walk now. And it seems like maybe a big jump, but I would I would venture to say that many of us have tried to find contentment in a lot of big things. We've bought homes or cars. We've been, jumped into relationships because we're looking for that thing and, and it works for a little while, but after a little while, it's still not enough. And so there's a sense that even what we thought was like, this is the mercy that I was looking for. I'm healed. Or I found that man or that woman, or I got this dream house, or I finally got my car or whatever it is, For us, or for my six-year-old, I finally got that transformer. Like, There's this moment where it's like, yes, this is the mercy that I was looking for. But ultimately, it it starts to feel just kind of a little bit like shame again because we're like, "Ah, that's not really enough. I want more. There's something else that I need. There's something else that I want. Jesus knows that it's possible for this man to be healed physically and still experience shame. Something worse could happen to him if he doesn't stop the way that he was living his life. Getting what you want doesn't bring life to the full. Jesus says in John 10.10 that he's come to bring life and life abundantly or life to the full. Like this is the promise that he's brought us. But life to the full isn't just life getting everything that you want. It's a different experience. Jesus is the one that brings that. So there's three things that I kind of want to touch on briefly as we finish up with this morning's message. And these kind of are are tied into what I talked about in the beginning of like who we wanted to be and who I hope that we are and who I hope we continue to be. The first one is that I love that people feel something different when they come to South Hills. But that's only a good start. Like, I love that people feel welcome and that they feel like this feels comfortable and they feel accepted as they are. And people are like, man, I love that you guys say, like, no perfect people allowed. And and I love all that. And we work really hard to make that true of this place. But that's only the start. That's only the beginning. We only do that so that then people feel comfortable enough to experience who Jesus is. And that's who we've wanted to be since the beginning and that's who I want us to continue to be. We'll continue to try and have fun and make jokes and I'll continue to beat people in food competitions and and all these things that I love to do so much. But that's just for fun. It's just good feelings and I love it, but it's just the start. That's just the beginning. I like good feelings, good vibes. That's not the end goal. Jesus and the power that he has to forgive and to love and to accept us as we are. Like, that is why we're here. That is what makes this place different. The second thing is that we don't want to become stuck on the method like the religious people were at that time. They were there, they were seeing this guy start walking, and they were like, oh, that's not how this is supposed to go. You did it out of order. You can't carry the mat till tomorrow, and, and then we can be happy that you're healed. But right now, like, there's other things we really got to focus on. There's this, there's this method that they were totally encapsulated in, and many of us have experienced that in churches in the past, and we don't want to get stuck on anything. We don't want to get stuck on a building. I mean, we don't want to get stuck on a, a way of doing church. We don't want to get stuck on any of this kind of stuff because we never know how Jesus is going to show up. And you guys might have experienced that in your own life. I know for me, he showed up in a car in a Starbucks parking lot at 11 o'clock in Norco, California. It's like if Jesus shows up in Norco, like he could show up anywhere. There's like... (laughs) Nothing truly is impossible for this God, you know? Like, that's how it was for me. And it wasn't inside a church. It wasn't at an altar call. It wasn't on a Sunday. It was just this crazy experience that I had. And I want to make sure that we're always prepared and open for that. We don't want to get stuck on it having to look a certain way. We don't want to miss what Jesus wants to do in our lives and the people's lives around us. We want to know that we can always continue reaching people With Jesus' love. One of the things we've talked about briefly in a few groups, but I just want to make sure that we all know that this is happening. In four weeks, that's terrifying, in four weeks, we're launching a second service here at South Hills. I'm super excited about that, not because I want to preach twice. I'm excited about that because people have been coming to this church and experiencing community and hope and and this cafeteria is only so big and we've only got so many chairs and we've only got so much space for kids and, and all these types of things. And so we're gonna continue trying to reach the community. And so we wanna continue figuring out how to not be stuck on the method or the way that we do things. We wanna make sure that we're always creating space so that we can continue to reach people with the truth of who Jesus is. And then the third thing, And so we want people to know what exactly is special here. And this may come as a surprise, but it's not the free donuts. That is special, but that's not it. That's not it enough. It's not just the fun. It's not just the the nice people that are around or the fact that you get like an hour and 15 minutes of free childcare, which is special as a parent. Like that's, yes, sign me up. There's this aspect of all these things It's not that the people in this room are in in agreement on a certain set of morals or a certain way of living our life. It's not that we've decided like, yeah, you know, we just want to, we all agree in the same exact things and, and we just, that's not what makes this place special. Jesus is what makes this church worth coming to. And what I believe to be true is that we could have created all of this fun stuff and we could have incredible music and balloon artists and all this kind of stuff, but none of that stuff has the power to change anybody's life. It can make you feel comfortable and it can make you have fun. But just like those concerts that I would go to when we leave, we are no different because I got a giraffe balloon hat. No offense, Anza. I love it. That's not gonna change our lives. Hanging out afterwards and having food is not gonna change our lives, the only thing That makes this place actually special and continues to draw people here is Jesus. He's what makes this church worth coming to. And for those of you guys that don't know, maybe you haven't grown up in church or around church, and there's this aspect that we believe that the church is not just a thing that you go to on Sundays, but the church is actually, it's what Jesus said, hey, I'm I'm leaving after he rose from the dead. He's like, I'm out of here, but here's what I want you guys to do. And he set this thing in motion where the people would go out and they would have, have these gatherings of people, and he wanted the church to be what changes the world after he left. His power through the church. It's not just a fun club to be a part of, but there's actually power that he has given in the church. It's his body. It's why we do these things like serve the community. Jesus is the one that allows us to show up here as we are broken and bruised successful or failing, rich or poor, like whatever category you find yourself in, Jesus is what makes this place still okay for you also to come here because we're not a club where you have to prove something to become a member. Jesus is the one that gives us the ability to care about each other even though we don't always agree with each other. Like there's a lot of differences in this room. There's a lot of different political beliefs. There's a lot of family backgrounds. And there's a lot of all kinds of things. And, And in ways we have very little in common except Jesus and this hope and this belief that he has some sort of forgiveness and life that he wants to give us. And he draws us together. Jesus is the one that enables us to serve or volunteer or be generous with our finances, even though it feels like we never really have enough. People get up and show up here at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings to turn this cafeteria into a church every week for the last 52 of them. It's exhausting. But Jesus is the one that makes it worth doing that. Jesus is the one that makes us able to continue to give and trust that he will continue to provide for us. And so some of us may have been coming to this church hoping like this man at the pool of Bethesda that was waiting for the water to bubble up. I believe that there's people here today, there's people at churches kind of everywhere that you're waiting. Maybe this will be, maybe it'll be my turn this Sunday. Maybe the bubbles will be from me this week. Which is a weird sentence to say. I didn't write that one down. It sounds weird in hindsight, but there's we're waiting and we're hoping and like maybe it'll be my turn, like maybe my life will be changed. Maybe I'll finally be able to overcome this habit or or break this addiction, or maybe my marriage could be saved, or maybe I could feel worthy of a friendship or a relationship. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And we have these questions. It's like maybe one day it'll be me too. And Jesus, just like this lame man, said, Hey, do you want to be healed? do you want to be made well? Do you want to feel accepted? Do you want your marriage to become more healthy? Do you want to know that you can be forgiven and the the crap that you've done in your life isn't going to be stuck to you forever and you don't have to drag that like a, a ball of shame everywhere you go? Jesus is saying to every one of us every single day, every moment, he's saying, hey, you could be made well and it's me that could do that. Religion isn't going to change your life. This church can't possibly meet all of your needs. But Jesus can. After the religious leaders start harassing Jesus, he says this in John 5, verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins but they have already passed from death into life. They've already passed. They're not even dead yet and they've already passed from death into life. Life to the full, like he says later in John. Then in verse 26, he says, the father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to his son. Jesus can change our physical reality. He can change our circumstances. But just like this man, when Jesus found him later on, he says, hey, I'm glad that you're healed, but also I have the power to forgive your sins and to change your life, not just to fix your legs, not just to fix your circumstances, but actually to change your life, to transform your heart. And so there's this aspect for us as we look at the last year and as I've tried to figure out, what do I want to talk about? (laughs) on our one-year anniversary. What is, what is it that we wanna celebrate? What is it that we wanna do? And here's what I wanna celebrate. I wanna celebrate that we have good vibes. <laughs> I wanna celebrate that we have a ton of fun. I wanna celebrate that we've continued to serve people and that we do things like a, a blood drive and, and egg hunts and, and movie nights for the community and all these, I wanna celebrate all that stuff. I love that stuff. We work hard to make that stuff happen. But the most critical thing that I'm so thankful for over the last year is that Jesus has shown up here also. And that we have been a church, we've been a community that said, hey, we can have a great time together. But if we actually want to be changed, we know how that can happen. And that's through Jesus. And there's a stack of stories that I was supposed to put up somewhere. And I don't know where those cards went. They're floating around here somewhere. But I've got like 60 or 70 stories from you guys that you guys have written down. Hey, these, this is what's happened through this church in my life, in my marriage, in my family. And we'll put those stories out somewhere. We'll put them on a table out there if anybody's hearing me. Edwin. Uh, that's the new plan. Uh, but there's this aspect of who Jesus is. It's like, man, this is, this is what we should talk about. Because this is what makes us work. This is what makes all of it work. This is what makes it worthwhile. This is what makes us want to be a part of this thing. Is his power to heal. His power to transform our hearts. To help us overcome our brokenness. To forgive us of our sins. And just like he says, whoever listens to my message and believes in the God who sent me will have eternal life. I'll never be condemned for their sins. And so today, as we close, I just want to have a chance. If you are in this room and you've never made that decision, if you've never said, man, I believe in the God that loves, I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sins, that he has the power to forgive, and I want to commit my life to him. If you never had the chance to say that, to to write that down, to think that, to make that decision. I want to make sure that we don't leave today because that is, that is it. That's why we're here. That's the biggest thing about this. And so I want to make sure that we have that opportunity. And so if you guys will close your eyes and I'll pray for us. And we do this eyes closed thing because we want people to feel comfortable enough to be able to say yes, to be able to say And this is where I'm at today. And so we all close our eyes. And so if you are in this place and you've lived your life and you've never made this decision to put your trust in Jesus, to not only experience different circumstances, but to actually experience the power for a changed life, to be able to overcome habits and addictions, to be able to feel forgiveness and to be able to extend forgiveness to others, All of these aspects of who Jesus is and who he invites us to, these are things that he enables us to be able to do. We can't do it on our own. and That's the gospel. Jesus came to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so if you are here this morning, I would invite you guys, if you want to make that decision for the first time, if you want to slip your hand up, I would love to see your hand just so I can pray for you and so I can know how to best care for you. if you've never made that choice. Okay. I love that. There's an aspect of who we are that regardless of whether you have made that choice in the past, whether you want to make that choice today, that this is a church that we can all be a part of, that we can all come to and believe that we have a a belonging here and a sense of value here, that you are worthy. And I want each person here to know that. And the reason we're able to say that is not because I'm such a good guy and I figured out how to accept everybody, because I'm really not. The reason we're able to be who we are is because Jesus has shown up and he has changed our lives. So God... As we close out this message, as we close out this time this morning, we continue celebrating this first year as a church. I'm so grateful for what we get to be a part of. I'm so grateful for what I get to be a part of. And God, as we continue on into year two and as we look at Easter and as we look at reaching the community and, and serving and, and all these different things that we have plans for, God, would we not be so overcome or overwhelmed or, or sidetracked by the plans and the experience that we actually forget the, the peace that truly matters is who you are and your power to forgive, to make us well like you told this man at the pool? to transform our hearts and to change our minds. That power is in you and you alone. And so, God, we're grateful. We're grateful to be a church that's able to not exclude anybody because we believe that we're all a little bit screwed up. We're all a little bit banged up and bruised up, and we get to come here and we get to be honest about who we are and and where we're at and what we're feeling and what we're concerned about. We get to create a safe space that people can come and know that they're accepted as they are but also that there's a God that loves them so much that they don't have to stay the way that they are. God, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I love being able to be a part of a church like this. And God, as we move into year two, would you give us the strength and the courage to continue serving and reaching and speaking the truth about your love and your forgiveness to the community around us. Would you bless us and be with us? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.